Hey there, welcome to episode 30 of the Let's Innovate for Vegas podcast, brought to you by me, <laughs> Managing Director of the Innovate for Vegas Foundation, Dan Hugo, your solo host. Solo once again, one of these days, one of these days, I will have a guest again to talk about innovation. I've had some great guests on in uh, in early episodes, uh, Tara from the Netscape days, Tara Hernandez, her, uh, Tara Hernandez, apologies. Uh, Dr. Kitty Young was on talking about the hackathon for wearables at the time. Uh, a few other people, the uh, people that are doing innovation out and about in the world, they're important to talk to because we need that here. Let's get it started. The title of today's show, Name Change and Outreach and Elevation. That's a mouthful, and I suspect this will be a long episode, but there's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Stop talking and start talking. Our name change is official. <clears throat> Why did it take so long? I'll, I'll tell you in a second. So the filing with the Nevada Secretary of State, it's a question of who one speaks to, when, and about what, <laughs> and whether they made notes in the, in the file for the business ID at, in, in question. We had to change our name, one word, from Code for Vegas to Innovate for Vegas. Everything else was intact. We had already made our annual listing update, so this was literally changing one word. At the same time, uh, we wanted to change our registrar, I'm sorry, registered agent, registrar, our registered agent to point to an officer in our entity. So rather than pointing to a person, which was how we filed initially, that's a long story for another time, but we, uh, it's, it's a better idea if you're not using a professional, like registered agent company, like if you're a foreign entity, you know, if you're out of state and you need to have someone in state be your registered agent. That's great. But we're, we are stuck in Nevada. <laughs> so, so making an officer or a company, the registered agent rather than a name and not using the person's name as the email address, contact information, and so on is uh, more convenient. So the president of the Innovate for Vegas Foundation is also our registered agent. Yay. That happens to be me. But that's okay. We have three board members, so the, our, our annual list update, we added Mary Norris, infamous for her participation across the U.S. in the brigade infrastructure. Everybody knows Mary. If you don't, you will. That was, that was common knowledge back in the Code for America days. Code for America pulled the rug. That's a different story. Maybe we'll get to that today. Actually, I think we will. But anyway, so Mary joined, so it's myself, uh, Sean Looker, who was the original co-founder and co-captain of Code for Vegas before there was a formal brigade program with Code for America from 2014 to 2016. So when we reformed, we were rebooting, we made it the Code for Vegas Foundation, an independent nonprofit. We went on to file for our 501c3 determination, which we received, so we formed our entity in June of 2022. We got our determination from the IRS in October 2022. So we're a totally independent, legit organization called Code for America. And like two days later, Code for, Ve Code for America, did I say Code for America? We were called Code for Vegas. Code for America sent me a, well, first they sent me a warning and followed up almost immediately when I said no. Um, because they, they had some misrepresentations of fact in their assertions, followed up by their attorney sending us a cease and desist. But as luck would have it, we were already thinking about changing our name. Why? I'll tell you. 
How many times did I hear, oh, code for Vegas. Well, I'm not a coder. And then, you know, I'm not welcome, or maybe this isn't for me, or is it just code? You know, it was, it was a misleading name. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about Innovation District, but I will not. So calling ourselves Code for Vegas was a, a throwback to the origin of the organization. Sean participating was that kind of connection to past accomplishments and connections with the city, the municipal partner component of the Code for America sort of engagement scheme. So <clears throat> calling ourselves Code for Vegas was problematic, not only with regard to Code for America being jerks, but with people we were trying to reach out to and engage with, not understanding that you don't have to be a coder to um, innovate. So <laughs> five seconds of looking around, we were having our monthly hackathon meetups at the International Innovation Center in downtown Las Vegas. Thank you, Don Jacobson. In the Innovation District, you can find out more at innovate.vegas. Uh, innovation Hub is the future. Uh, the Innovation Center is where uh, is near where the switch is in Enterprise. It is a co-work space uh, that's owned by Switch. So Inev, that's I-N-N-E-V, Innovation Center. I don't even know if that's still open after the pandemic, but that was always a, <clears throat> it was a rather formidable looking <laughs> uh, black and red and diamond plate, very tough looking uh, facility, but enabled startup weekends and, and other such things. So anyway, so that was uh, that was a, a, an easy change that we were happy to make, which we had been talking about before because people were con not, I'm not going to say confused, but they were, they were, um, they were led to believe that this might not be for them because of the one word code, not everything is code. So we, we were already thinking about this and then I get the cease and desist letter. I'm like, fine. Uh, I didn't really respond after that. So we eventually were supposed to change our name in the interim. Uh, all manner of chaos, which that's worthy of a, of a different show <laughs> on a different network, which I will probably be launching again. I have, I have a personal show I do called, uh, well, I won't call it here. I won't say it here. You'll hear about it eventually. Anyway, so we, we were thinking about the name change. We got the cease and desist. We figured we'll do the name change. And then Code for America didn't follow up with us. And then our governance was changing. There was a question about which paperwork to file and how. I contacted someone at the state secretary of state office. And this was my point earlier. I called someone. I don't know who it was on the phone. And I said, we need to change one word in our name and we need to change the registrar. I always say registrar registered agent. And I said, now is, do we amend or restate our articles? And the person I was speaking to said, you can file all one form. And she didn't really know exactly whether I was restating or amending, but at the time you had to do it on paper. There was no silver flume support. Silver flume is a awful, awful, buggy, problematic, sometimes just simply does not work portal used for conducting state business, forming LLCs and S corps and nonprofits and so on business licensing, registered agent updates. So a couple weeks later, this was, this was October, November timeframe. I think it was November, 2022. So we had, we had formed our 501c3, got our determination. 
we're up and running, we're ready to go. Oh, we got to change our name. Okay, what's that going to involve? So like I said, I called, got a partial answer that was not quite wonderful. So about two, maybe three weeks later, probably two, I called back, spoke to someone who was not happy about working for the Secretary of State. And so she was very difficult to deal with. And I, I mean, I'm just being honest. She <laughs> at some point said something like, do you want me to help you? And I said, yeah, that's why I called. Uh, that was fun. So and she also said, do you want to believe the person you talked to two weeks who's been here for two months or me? I've been here for five years, something like that. So the picture I was uh, putting together, to it, she was she was not thrilled about being there for as long as she was. The take home though, she gave me slightly different answers. So that was a little odd. The question was, um, like how much were we going to have to pay and would these forms work? And then she refused to tell me if I was amending or restating which paperwork I would have to include. She said I would have to talk to an attorney. She was not allowed to give me that advice. So the take home, um, kind of a headache. So back burner, did some other stuff. Then suddenly it's, uh, May, April, May, uh, by now code for America has pulled the rug. I think, I think they did it in February or March. They've made the announcement that they're not supporting brigades anymore. And so Mary and I frequently speak about many things. So I said, Hey, you should join our board and let's reach out, try to work with other organizations, other former brigades about being independent and collaborating on projects without the central planning, planning notion of code for America. Sorry, Jennifer Polka, who was the original co-founder. I think there's the beginnings of consensus that Code for America is not the same as it used to be. It was a nice idea. It's been taken over by co corporate chaos. So we never did do a DBA because we were like, oh, we're, we're not really doing business and we're going to, we're going to change our name. And then we just didn't for a while because of this filing confusion. Now, to make it even more interesting... We, so we amended our list. Uh, June 30th was our filing date. So we filed. We added Mary Norris as our board member with the intent of reaching out beyond Nevada for collaboration on our own projects and on other projects, expanding our reach, making the most of our destination city, premier destination city, some might say. <clears throat> so talking to more people about doing more civic volunteer, open source projects, community elevation, and so on. And again, nothing about our organization changed uh, administratively that is, uh, on paper, our, our president had gone off to college, <laughs> good riddance. And so I, I took over the day to day on the ground in, in Nevada. Sean is located in a different state and Mary is also located in a different state. So I'm the only one actually here, which is why I can be the registered agent as well. So we, we did our filing. We had to rename. I called again in August <laughs> Why August? Because during the summer, I was dumb enough to take on the uh, International Space Apps Challenge local lead role with NASA, which uh, I think we're going to talk about that maybe towards the end. I'll bring that up. Anyway, so we uh, so all manner of distractions, basically solo entrepreneurialism on a volunteer basis, zero compensation, no appreciation from anyone, no support from the city, etc. So, oh yeah, that's right. We got to change our name for real. So I called the Nevada Secretary of State. And they said, I said, I want to change one word in our name and update the registrar, reg, registered agent. Just say registrar. You'll get it. The person I was speaking to was very pleasant, probably new with the, uh, the SOS there. I said, now, I just filed the one form. 
uh, but I'm not sure. Do I file amended or amended and restated? Just restated? It's not completely clear, and there are no examples of this. So she says, oh, no, you have to file two different forms. Uh, you have to file the uh, amendment to change the name, and then you have to file a separate form to change your registered agent, the registered agent acceptance form. So the amendment is, certificate of amendment is $50, which is fine. The registered agent acceptance form is $60. That's $110. So we're a nonprofit public charity that doesn't really get much in the way of donations. Paying out of my own pocket. No, actually, we did have, uh, we had a nice donation from Matthew Fitz, which was in the bank, earmarked for this, because <laughs> it was supposed to be a $50 uh, spend, a fee, and he had donated that much. And so we, I just had it sitting there, and then it sat and sat. So we actually had this money. For the amendment filing, I was told two different things. I mean, I have to file two different forms. Luckily, they took notes. So I said, hmm, I was told we could do all of that on one form, but it was a paper filing. So I was on hold, spoke to her supervisor, came back and said, I spoke to my supervisor, and you are correct. You can do both. You don't have to pay the extra $60. You can just pay 50 But you can also do it online. And I said, really? The last time I tried to do this online, it said it was not available, but so it was. And so with the addition of the recently enacted uh, credit card processing fee, I think it's 2.5%. So for $51.25, I believe it was filing in on September 7th. And it was already, it was effective September 8th, but I think it actually hit the books earlier this week. So today, as I'm recording this, it was seven days. So it was less than seven days turnaround. That angry person I talked to said it would take at least three weeks, so whatever. So bottom line, we are officially, this is a long way to get here, I'm sorry, but uh, we are officially the Innovate for Vegas Foundation, lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, the 990 filing, for those who are not already aware of this, when you file your 990 or its variation based on your structure for your nonprofit, uh, you that is where you provide information about material changes. So for example, our change in governance, our additional board member, and our new name. Then we'll file with the um, uh, file to get our name changed on our EIN. So we'll maintain the same EIN with a new name. That's what they tell me. However long that takes, you have to do that on paper. All this stuff is on paper with IRS, right? Except for pay.gov and anyway. So we'll get that all sorted, our FinTech and everything. So for the for a small while longer, should you choose to make any donations of any kind, which I encourage you to do to support your local innovators and our organization, which is 100% volunteer, by the way. Zero dollars go to me, and I feel that every day. Uh, but it will still say Code for Vegas for a small time longer, but be be aware. Celebrate with us. We are officially Innovate for Vegas Foundation. Done. Project Act. So Mary and I were talking about this in... Mm, probably around the time when uh, we got that cease and desist letter here. So I said, you know, and she was saying this, uh, other other brigades around the country were getting frustrated with Code for America and they were thinking about breaking off. One of the reasons, it's a little scuttlebutt here, one of the reasons that we got our cease and desist letter, this is a rumor, hearsay, unverified truth. Someone was in a meeting at Code for America headquarters, which I imagine is in a bunker somewhere, <laughs> with Red Skull or something. Um, they were Somebody was in a meeting and said, how come we can't be independent like Code for Vegas? 
totally unconfirmed. Just heard that through the grapevine. And whoever was asked that question was so enraged. We must stop Code for Vegas. We must put a stop to Dan Hugo's reign. And so, yeah, that kerfuffle, which was ultimately good for us. So that was fine. <laughs> probably They probably didn't know that they were helping us, but they did. So Mary and I were talking about this, like, oh, so other people are, are similarly uh, disillusioned by Code for America. And in some cases, disenfranchised. Certainly this year, by the end of the year, uh, the rug pull or sunsetting, as they call it, will be disenfranchising a lot of people. But a year ago, the question was, could we help other people who want to leave because we never rejoined Code for America? There was a formal separation when Code for Vegas shut down 2016. Yeah. 2016 formally shut down Code for Vegas in Vegas. There was no brigade infrastructure at the time or Code for Vegas was not a brigade. However, that worked out. So when we were trying to reboot as a Code for Vegas brigade, there was much confusion and some dillying and dallying on the part of the people at Code for America. So we formed our own thing. We just said, well, we'll file our paperwork and we'll see what happens later. And looking through the paperwork, we could be an independent partner and all that stuff. So this was totally doable according to the rules of the road at Code for America. But we were apparently fomenting insurrection. That's topical. So nobody liked that, and Mary and I were talking about how can we help other organizations that wanted to break away from Code for America be independent. So Project ACT was born, and this will <clears throat> this will sound very similar to the ACT project. And let me let me look at um, Discord very quickly. ACT, not to be confused with ACT, the Alliance of Civic Technologists. So the problem with that is it presumes that civic volunteering, former Code for America peeps, this is an organization that's made up of brigades, former brigades, people who are disillusioned and will be or have been disenfranchised. They're working together to recreate some sort of supportive infrastructure, right? So whether they form a single nonprofit public charity entity that's similar to Code for America Labs, which is a nonprofit charity based in California, or if they do something else, not sure. So I've been, I joined their discord, checking out what they're doing. But one of the things when Mary said, Hey, you should check out the act project or the act group. I said, Oh, how ironic that it's very similar in name to the thing we were talking about, which is project act, which is autonomous cohort transformation. So that was going to be, the brigades as cohorts, we didn't want to use the word brigade. So autonomous cohort transformation, transform your brigade away from Code for America to be autonomous. Project Act. We proceeded to not do anything <laughs> because at every turn there was more and more drama going on at Code for America. And at the same time, Mary was involved with um, transforming 911 and some other national volunteer projects. True to form, Code for America would announce projects and give credit to their paid employees as program managers and whatnot. Volunteers were very rarely mentioned, which is one of the factors that led to me wanting to distance myself quickly from Code for America. So Project Act, we kind of left it on the table, didn't didn't go anywhere. I created a GitHub repo and a little logo. I deleted the repo. I was like, all right, well, we're not going to do anything with this. But 
never more useful than it might be now to engage with and enable brigades because my, and this, I'm not trying to be mean or to uh, diminish the value of the other act, but with Code for America recently announcing some layoffs, there have been, I think there's some distraction and it doesn't sound like there's a lot of energy behind breaking away and, and forming these autonomous groups or even a single monolith enabling the disparate groups around the country. So I'm not quite sure what they're doing, but Project Act, the, the initial concept, the concept was to enable people who want to do these things to continue to do them, right? Uh, forming a nonprofit entity is not, well, it depends on the state, but not too hard. Uh, filing your 1023EZ piece of cake, $275, and getting EIN, obviously free. Open a bank account, they may make a website, and you're done. That's probably slightly more difficult than that, but the bottom line is it can be done fairly straightforward. Once you're a 501c3, TechSoup will get you your, uh, we have Google Workspace for free. You know, Google Workspace is not ideal, but the price is right. <laughs> so we have uh, our base infrastructure tools. Guess what? You can have team-level uh, services from uh, GitHub. So once you once you get your 501c3 determination letter, that thing is like a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. So you send that in to GitHub. It takes a million years, but they finally get around to it, and they give you, I believe the message I got was, we just made your account. Uh, infinitely renewing until like the year 2300 or something like that. So it's, no, I think it's, <laughs> no, I think it's good for until 2100. I think it's 83 years or something, 82 years. So we, we have like, however many people are members of our organization, which is innovate for Vegas, by the way, github.com slash innovate for Vegas. It's on our website and everywhere else. So if you, <laughs> If you join our organization, we always have like one extra seat then, you know, so it always auto increments. So when you become a public charity, a 501c3, you don't have to be a public charity, but a 501c3, as long as you're not an educational institution or a church, I think, you know, keep it simple. Uh, there's a number of free services you get to help you with your journey. We take advantage of, like I said, GitHub. We have the team, not to be confused with Microsoft Teams team level access. So, you know, we get unlimited free uh, public and private projects and various other features. You don't get code spaces, but it's a great deal for what it is for the price. And it is right. Uh, we can get some credits on Amazon web services and that ends up being the best deal. Azure, Azure, if you like, um, GPC, there's a whole list of things through TechSoup, not to mention we have a free, I think a 50 seat license on Canva. We get uh, free podcasting services through on WeCaster as a public charity. So, and the list goes on. So once you establish yourself as a nonprofit charity in your state, as a civic volunteer organization, uh, you are enabled. You don't have to depend on Code for America infrastructure. So that was the whole notion behind Project Act was to help people with that journey which is not hard, but you know, there are questions and there are answers. So that was the, the idea. So project act is sort of, I'm, we're, we're breathing life back into it because it looks like there may be a need for it. Then Hacktoberfest, Hacktoberfest this year is in October. Huh? Go figure. So, uh, last year 
I have mentioned that we received our determination in October 12. So at the time, I think we, I think we had just filed it. I want to say it took three weeks. So end of September. So someone said, I think in our discord, Hey, are we doing Hacktoberfest? And I said, huh, do you want to, you know, you set it up. <laughs> like I'm doing 10 other things. So we did not participate. Plus we really didn't have, we had like two projects, maybe three. No, I probably had more than that, but we, you know, getting everything set up, we didn't have free GitHub yet. So we were still kind of hobbling along. Um, by the way, I, I did some time ago change from code for Vegas organization to innovate for Vegas organization. So our public facing GitHub organization is so named, uh, moved a bunch of projects around and all that and our copyright and licensing and all that. So all that was already done, but after Hacktoberfest last year. So the question then for this year, does anyone want to participate? Now, here's my, here's my idea. Hacktoberfest is where you, if you have open source projects and you'd like people to work on them, you advertise them by tagging them. I believe they do support GitLab and GitHub. I don't know if they do uh, Bitbucket or others, but surely if your code is visible to the world, open source, a suitable license, and the ability for people to uh, create a pull request or equivalent, you tag the project or you so market Hacktoberfest and you advertise it in the hacktoberfest.com infrastructure. They're working with several partners. Uh, Hacktoberfest is always, for the 10 years it's been in existence, sponsored by DigitalOcean. Uh, they're working with, um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> uh, MHI. It's, um, I can't believe, I, I know the, I know the founders. That I've met them at countless actons, and I'm off axis, so you might not be able to hear me. Um, Major League Hacking, thank you, <laughs> MLH. Major League Hacking is coordinating people who want to have events during Hacktoberfest to invite people to collaborate during, right? So we'll, we'll set that up. Uh, so I'm, I've got two weeks to get some of our projects in order to enable this and we'll advertise. So my idea was, Hey, suppose you're a brigade, your civic volunteer cadre is, uh, is, is, um, flagging a bit. They're frustrated with code for America. Maybe they're just tired of the whole rigmarole, the shenanigans, the kerfuffle, probably some other cool words. So how do you get those people to engage again? And how do you kind of introduce yourself to the world now that you don't have the Code for America Slack? I mean, the website or <laughs> the fact that you're associated with that organization. But, you know, how do you, how do you jump back into the community, quote unquote, I don't like that word, but civic volunteers, civic hackers, get yourself out there, get your organization out there. Hey, we're a cohort of people working on open source projects. You should work on our projects and hey, we can work on yours. Oh, that's right. There's Hacktoberfest coming up and that's exactly what that is. Uh, it's a platform for advertising yourself. It's a infrastructure in place. There's like full on instructions for people to get started with pull requests. Like if you've never done this before and you want to jump into open source, contributing to open source, participating, having your own projects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why not Hacktoberfest? So it seems like a cool idea. So the notion then is to, let me get back to my notes, is to have Hacktoberfest be, uh, so it's October 1st through the 31st, as far as I'm aware. Um, I think MLH is having, Major League Hacking, just so I don't forget again. MLH is having 
uh, an event. I think it's the 16th for the week. Somehow you get on a calendar of events. So clearly if you're participating from different parts of the country, yeah, Monday is the 16th. Uh, that helps people discover you. That's a general problem. So whatever infrastructure they have, whatever can be learned from that should be sort of ongoing, right? So Project ACT should include connectivity between different cohorts, different organizations that enable one to advertise open projects or even open issues. Uh, this happened with a project that Mary was working on, Mary Norris, working on with her, uh, I think they were already renamed Open Fresno. They're working on Trash AI, which has since launched. So she said, hey, do you know anybody who does uh, AI, you know, ML probably, ML uh, image classification? It uh, classifies, the project classifies trash for recycle and so on. So I was looking around for people here in the Vegas area. I found a couple, but man, I'm not a dentist, but I am called upon to pull teeth frequently. I said, man, there's got to be an easier way to advertise. Like you don't have to join our organization. You don't have to like give a blood sample or anything. You just, just, we're just looking for a question, but it's an open source project. So, you know, this is, you're contributing to an open source project by this organization, whether it's a charity or whatever, but you know, like any open source contribution, it's nobody has their hand out for uh, getting compensation as far as I'm aware. Not, not in that circumstance anyway. So how do you connect potential, you know, people with, a, with some time on their hands on a weekend, sort of like a mini hackathon, right? Like, oh, you have one issue. Yeah, that never is just one issue. There's always a couple of things to deal with. But if you have someone who has the interest and maybe some insight and expertise and the time, how do you reach that person? So is there a marketplace for contribution to individual GitHub issues? You will find various articles written, you know, how to find a project to contribute to. And it seems like it's an open, a gap. And so if you take Project ACT, which is a whole bunch of brigades around the U.S., the United States, getting the rug pulled out from under them, the brigade program being sunset, disenfranchised, disillusioned, discombobulated, disconnected, dist. So if you take that effort during Hacktoberfest and you somehow convince people in that situation that they can advertise what they're working on and jump into other people's projects and see what they're working on, and maybe by November 1st, there are new engagements going on. And that, in fact, is the plan. That's why Mary joined our board of directors for Innovate for Vegas Foundation. I think she's a part of like every brigade in the country now even though they're all being sunset. So I'm not sure what that resume will look like. But the notion was this. Hang on. The greater Vegas area has 40 million people visiting every year-ish. Uh, Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority publishes on their website, LVCBA, Las Vegas Visitor Convention Authority. Convention. <laughs> I said it backwards. Las Vegas Convention Visitors Authority. L, uh, Lima, Victor, Charlie, Victor, alpha.com, lvcva.com. There's a research tab at the top of the website page. You go there, all kinds of demographics, um, city of origin, different, you know, demographic age groups and so on. And so all kinds of numbers are there. Essentially, the last time I looked was probably a month or so ago, 40 million people, annualized number, visitors as tourists, convention, uh, attendees, sporting events, straight up gambling, bachelor parties, who knows? 
about 40 million visitors every year. So some fraction of those people will be interested in the sorts of things that we're working on, Innovate for Vegas, um, especially now that we've focused, we've switched our focus from the My Vegas project to the My Muni project to be more inviting to other places, the human interface for our smart city. So between that and the visitor version, which is welcome, inspired somewhat by the welcome to Las Vegas, fabulous Las Vegas sign. So the welcome project and the My Muni projects go together in that My Muni is for people in your community slash municipality who are there. And the welcome project is that, but focused on people who are not residents. And so they don't really care about their water bill, for example, or things like that. But they would care about entertainment, local regulations. <laughs> Am I allowed to walk on the strip with open containers, right? These, these are questions that come up all the time and people do YouTube videos on them all the time. And for example, why not have a directory of YouTube videos that's not embedded in the YouTube algorithm, but actually being able to discover content creators, you know, audio programs like this, uh, video content, uh, something that takes advantage of AI rather than a, a fire hose of event information like uh, down to party Vegas, which is a horrible, horrible website. Um, Vegas near me is absolutely off putting with the fire hose that you have to deal with. So rather than taking that, people visiting here, they're not familiar with the area. It's only Vegas and your media this weekend. I can't look at 4,000 options. So something that's a little bit more modern. But guess what? That's not Vegas-centric. So our projects, while they could be deployed here, uh, the MyMuni version, the welcome version facing 40 million people every year might be interesting if people say, hey, that Vegas really is a smart city. Huh, I had no idea. My muni people would say, no, it isn't. But <laughs> the welcome people might be a little bit impressed if they could actually catch the deuce and they knew what was going on instead of complaining, which everyone does now because our public transit system sucks. Hence the open transit project. But the open transit project is not only for Vegas. The idea is to make these tools generally available for people in places, cities or otherwise. So the Innovate for Vegas program, the foundation and its programs, are not only for Vegas, or as I want to say, you can innovate for Vegas, you need not innovate in Vegas. So if you're in Fresno, or if you're in Miami, or if you're in Chicago, or Minneapolis, or wherever, if you happen to be in a former brigade, you probably have projects. Maybe Trash AI would benefit from being exposed to 40 million visitors every year who are staying in resorts and who are wandering around the strip throwing you know, throwing trash in a <laughs> recycle bins or, you know, who knows, uh, the more people who see and experience and interact with and see the benefit of open source projects built by and deployed by civic volunteers for their own communities, if they can see those in other communities, that seems valuable. So ideally project act, Hacktoberfest for introductions and <clears throat> re-entering the fray, becoming familiar with each other, getting to know each other, seeing that we're still out there. And then taking on projects that are meaningful and that will be seen by many without the um, visibility, I guess, of Code for America. So rather than being a name backed by commercial interests and unusual business practices, uh, those are allegations unsubstantiated for the purposes of this podcast episode. Uh, why not build things that people actually see, possibly use, and be impressed by? And then when they go home, Maybe they'll discover that, oh, we can do this in our city too. Not that they'll take action because this is still America. 
They'll wait for someone else to do it. But it's a start. To go along with that, uh, the International Space Apps Challenge is going on right now, uh, going on for the local leads like myself. The actual hackathon is on October 7th and 8th. Perfect timing. Columbus weekend during Hacktoberfest. <laughs> Great. So our event has reached 26 people signed up. It is um, not great. Not great for one reason, because we are supposed to be an innovation hub. We've been at this for over a year. Rather than having less participation than two years ago is the last time someone had a local event in Las Vegas. There were 28 people signed up. 12 people participated across four teams submitting projects. This year we have 26 people signed up and really 24, no comment, 24 people. 24 people signed up. That means maybe 12 will show up. Maybe we're having a practice hackathon on the 23rd and 24th of September. During the practice hackathon, we will be awake <laughs> if they want. I doubt people will stay awake. When I used to travel to any of the 47 hackathons I participated in with Intel, I would try to stay awake. If I stayed on the site, I would stay awake the whole time. Because why not? You're here to you're here to help people. My entire job, which for which I was being paid, was to be a hackathon mentor. So I help you with their projects, do their, uh, get them over the hump, you know, get that working, point them to the docs, whatever. And we, I personally, I never only helped with Intel projects, so Raspberry Pis or whatever. So during that time, people can practice because many people here in the greater Vegas area have never been at a proper hackathon before. <clears throat> Even our hackathons were not all nighters. The, uh, the NASA event will be a 38 hour, 59 minute event starting 9 a.m. in your local time zone, wherever you are. Here in Vegas, where we will still be PDT, Pacific Daylight, at the time, 9 a.m., pencils up. No, pencils down. Yeah, pencils up. <laughs> uh, 9 a.m. Saturday, October 7th, until 11.59 p.m., pencils down, Sunday, October 9th, 8th, October 8th. I'll get it. October 7th and 8th, uh, 38 hours, 59 minutes, straight through, challenges submitted, judging to take place the week after, the four-week, uh, 10th through... 9th through 15th, I think. I think that's right. Now, I'm telling you all this because you're listening. <laughs> the people of Vegas probably have no idea. Getting the word out about events like this in the greater Vegas area, unless you are building a baseball stadium, paving the strip, or stealing a catalytic converter, or maybe throwing furniture out a resort window, or if you found bed bugs, that'll get you in the news. It is nearly impossible to publicize innovation events that do not have an immediate commercial value or that are supported by the city of Las Vegas or the County of Clark, the voice of experience. I've tried. I've tried to get them to mention to no avail. So the other side of that coin, once you have people participating in, in challenges, by the way, Congressional App Challenge also happening right now. So you can sign up for Congressional App Challenge and the International Space Apps Challenge, the latter being the largest hackathon in the world, Cairo, Egypt, which has had an innovation culture for thousands of years. So they have a head start on us, to be sure. Uh, the last time I looked at it, 1,259 people signed up. 1,259 people. There are only something like 35,000 people that participate or sign up, at least, in the world. It's not bad. Silicon Valley proper, uh, Mountain View, California. The last time I looked at it, 120 people signed up. So we, with our 26, 24, are not, we're not blowing anybody's doors off. But the fact is, if we don't get the word out if we don't have support of our local infrastructure, local media, local, uh, LinkedIn is worthless. Um, schools, junior achievement, 
city of Las Vegas, Clark County, uh, even our maker spaces here, it's almost as if you're asking them to give a pint of blood and they're like, meh, I don't know where that needle's been. So very little in the way of coherent action. Two shining uh, exceptions, Tristan Hayes at CCSD, uh, well, <clears throat> Roger Mayo as well, so three. Tristan Hayes, Roger Mayo. Roger is a teacher at the ATEC, one of the schools in the Clark County School District. Tristan is running what's called a TSA program, which I am not familiar enough with to know what that even stands for. It's a new program. He's leading it. It's something about innovation and transforming student um, academics. I don't know, but it's uh, <clears throat> it's this is in his wheelhouse. So he's been proactively engaging teachers, getting the word out. Uh, Don Jacobson, as always, completely supportive within his reach, which is vast, but we really don't get anything for these efforts. So while they are appreciated, they are not fruitful. We have an uphill climb. We're pushing a boulder every day. It starts back at the bottom. Reaching out beyond Nevada seems like a more viable option. Unfortunately, post-pandemic times have been interesting for everyone, as I'm learning. So even Project ACT and Hacktoberfest will be somewhat telling this year to see what the potential is. But our Challengers project, I just recently added as another, yet another project, Challengers will be <clears throat> for people. So we've had a monthly hackathon every month. <laughs> That's how that works. Since uh, March 2022. Every month. Uh, it started out as the second weekend, then it moved to the fourth weekend of the month. So the fourth weekend of the month, Saturday and Sunday, nine to five, not an all-nighter. We had the whole Innovation Center downtown to ourselves. Quite a naming feat. Innovation District. Go to the Innovation District, hang out at the Innovation Center, do projects at the hackathon put on by the Innovate for Vegas Foundation. It all sounds great. But fewer and fewer people have been participating, taking any sort of active interest. Part of the problem, getting the word out. The other part of the problem, the drive to excellence and lack of in our flagging innovation culture. So in order to establish an innovation culture, my theory, this is my, my personal theory, we need to bribe people. So challenges tend to have prizes. Innovate for Vegas Foundation does not. We are explicitly not doing prize-driven sponsored hackathons. Um, why is that? I'll tell you in a moment. Challenges, however, in, uh, with the International Space Apps Challenge by NASA, can have prizes, and if you, you can have local prizes, which we still have to deal with. I'll talk about that next week, or maybe the week after. We can have, uh, we can nominate teams to move on to global judging. The global judging level will have prizes, and so there can be actual winnings, not to mention the fact that the, the real big winners at the end of the judging, which will be announced in January of 2024, those projects could actually be continued by NASA, or its partners. So there's actual potential for this. So you're not just working to make your communities better and all this silly stuff that we're pursuing. You can actually get something for yourself and your your team. It's teams of one to six, so it could be just you. So the, the solipsism drive may be just enough, enough catalysis to get the initial beginnings of the early stages of potential maybe could happen innovation culture in Las Vegas. So the idea, challengers as our portal, you have your space apps, challengers, not challenge, 
SpaceAppChallenge.org is a website. You can go there if you want and learn all about NASA's uh, annual hackathon. SpaceAppChallenge.org slash 2023 slash locations slash L-A-S dash V-E-G-A-S dash N-V, in fact, if you want to sign up for ours. And it's before October 7th and you're hearing this. 2023, in fact. Uh, Congressional App Challenge, you can go sign up now. I think it's congressionalappchallenge.us. Your submission is due November 1st. You must be in a high school that is located in the district of a congressperson who is sponsoring that district's participation in the Congressional App Challenge. So in the case of Nevada, I believe all of the congresspeople are, are checked off on the list. So if you're a high school student in, I think it's high school, I don't know if it's high school and below, but if you're a high school student in Nevada and you want to participate in the Congressional App Challenge, how are you ever going to know? No one will talk about it unless there is a stadium named after it or a road that can be paved with it or if somebody shoots at it or is shot by it. No one here will know. And the person that was promoting it last year is disappeared, pursuing some sort of political aspirations or some some dopey thing like that. So right now, it's uh, left to chance. I believe I saw one, I think it was Nevada Workforce something or other, advertising it on Instagram of all places. That's where the most innovative people go to find out which projects they want to work on, Instagram. So U.S. Congressional, or I'm sorry, Congressional App Challengers. There was a Congressional Art Competition. So it doesn't fit that model, but our congressional art.challengers. So by focusing on the challengers, the people who take on the challenges, so the individual who is actually doing something, if we focus on them, uh, elevate, recognize, celebrate. Uh, I spoke to Clark County, I'm sorry, yeah, Clark County School District, CCSD, about uh, making use of their, their adoption of open badges, which used to be a Mozilla project to assign people some sort of credential, especially about education and achievement in a portable, standardized, and persistent way. So if we can actually award people challenger badges for participating in challenges that persist as part of their education and achievement for all time, that'd be cool. That'd be something interesting at least. Uh, But to recognize people that are doing this and to have a point of contact so that our local media as capable as they may not be yet so that they might discover where to find out more information about who has participated in these things, what they accomplished, when the next events are, how they can find out more and why. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do the who, what, when, where, why there. So it's a portal for information for people who have no idea otherwise, but more importantly for the challengers themselves, people who are actually interested, but who have no idea and it's, I don't blame them individually because they've grown up in a place that has not enabled them nor informed them, uh, how do I begin? How do I put my toe in this water of innovation that seems to have the word hackathon floating on the top of it and who knows what lies beneath the surface? And there's only one way to find out. So a, na- a way to engage with people who are interested in this but also to announce and, like I said, recognize and celebrate um, you know, hey, I won the Space App Challenge. Who's ever going to know? So, you know, pointing to the Space App Challenge website, pointing to them themselves for posterity, right, to actually foment the youth part of our culture of innovation for the greater Vegas or Southern Nevada area. My theory is that you need to have, 
um, we're going to need about 10 more years. So we need to start and we need to have in place programs to support people in seventh grade today, seventh grade and older, but people that are in seventh grade today, 10 years hence will be 22. In some cases, graduating from college to become entrepreneurs and innovators. In other cases, continuing their education to become, you know, more highly educated people, <laughs> doctors, lawyers, scientists, PhDs, professors, etc. So, uh, time as the the saying goes the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago the second best time is now um the actual chinese proverb from which that is derived is slightly more complicated about shade but the bottom line is the the best time to build our innovation culture in greater vegas was 50 years ago the second best time is now uh, but we do actually have to start it now so our innovation culture don't worry we're getting to the end of this episode our innovation culture requires participation. Getting the word out is a major challenge. And so the Challengers platform will hopefully aid in that. We'll need to have people actually recognize it, that it is a useful thing and take advantage of it by visiting it, especially if they're in the local media business, journalists and so on, Uh, especially if they're in the local education business, teachers and so on, especially if they're in the parenting business, parenting. And of course, the challengers themselves have to know to look there and tell their friends. Sharing is caring. That is the way it works. And organic outreach is the best. And it's hard to come by here. So our culture of innovation has to feed back on itself. We need to encourage people to bring their teammates along. Uh, signing up is great. Signing up a team is even better, which means signing up yourself and your friends or getting them to sign up with you. And then later, that group of friends will form some unicorn startup, whether it's a restaurant, a coffee shop, a food truck, a music store, a bookstore, or the next TikTok, I don't know, Google, pick one. Uh, We need to connect small businesses, entrepreneurial innovation, the resources it takes to enable these things, the events that happen in the ecosystem itself, the people that make up the ecosystem, and all the time that it takes to do these things. They're all important, possibly critical. And our local media is incapable of accomplishing this. We need to get the word out. And LinkedIn is crap. Can't depend on that. Uh, Finally, exponential growth. Even if only slightly greater than one, that is how it works. If you always have one or two people showing up and they don't bring their friends, or if you're a uh, Fabergé uh, Herbals, I think it was, customer from back in the 70s or 80s, if you don't tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and so on and so on, Uh, then you don't get growth. So if just one person would tell another person and then repeat, you know, a growth of one fractional growth in people is tricky. But if we can just add one person over any time interval, that's a start. And uh, if we're going to have a rich entrepreneurial innovation ecosystem with talent and resources that we need to actually support the emergent communities and the innovation and entrepreneurial culture, I put those two together frequently, they do not require each other, but surely they benefit. Uh, we need uh, all of that, and ultimately, we will have noteworthy successes of many kinds, but we have to start somewhere. So the Innovate for Vegas Foundation has, like, I'll tell you what our purpose is on paper, to enable and encourage ideation, innovation, and implementation to make our communities better. That's it. That's the entire thing. It's that simple. So in order to do that, we need to foment a culture of innovation take advantage of our educational resources, our talent pool, make sure that they are wanting to participate, make sure they're interested, but also make them interesting. So be cool, stay in school, read, read more, 
uh, maybe our local government and its infrastructure will be supportive. They're not there yet. I don't know if they ever will be. We'll see. Might have to take it on ourselves. We'll build a better media program for outreach. We'll be compatible and accessible by our existing local media, but we need to have people be able to discover things. And we'll do it ourselves because no one else will. And we'll reach out beyond Nevada to other brigades to start, enable them, collaborate with them. And we'll start doing it during Hacktoberfest. And we'll celebrate our local innovators as they start off participating in challenges as challengers themselves, make them easy to locate, celebrate, recognize, and celebrate. And then when they're good enough, strong enough, and people like them. <laughs> no, that was from, uh, who's the dude's Saturday Night Live guy? Um, Al Franken's character. Uh, can't think of him. I'm good enough. I'm strong, smart enough. And gosh darn it, people love me. Something like that. So uh, eventually we'll have local innovators contributing to our projects, but we're not there yet either. So there's a lot of work to be done here. We need to not only invoke the village, but invoke the country. <laughs> there are civic volunteers. There are civic hackers. Civichacker.net. Lori McNeil has, has events going on, a summit coming up in a few weeks. There are people who spend time for the public good. There are people here in the greater Vegas area who probably want to do the same. I have no idea who they are. They have no idea that we exist. None of us have any idea how to contact each other. And that has to change. That is all I have to say for this fine Thursday evening. I thank you for listening. It's been quite an episode of me rambling for almost an hour. Uh, I always do try to cut out the silences, the protracted pauses. Ideally, you will not hear any of them. And what I just said won't make any sense, but that's fine. That's probably true of the entire collection of content. If you ever want to be a guest on the show, that'd be wonderful. Come on down. Uh, we do 100% remote. It makes it so much easier for everyone. Usually no video because I worry about hair and makeup. It's uh, hair and makeup. It's all about the ideas and the discussion. Do tell your friends about this. Just like everything else, discovery in Greater Vegas is nearly impossible unless the Innovate for Vegas Foundation builds upon itself a baseball stadium or a part of a Formula One racetrack. We're a strong foundation, but not that strong. Please like, share, subscribe do all the things. And if everything goes to plan sometime, maybe September, maybe October, we will be self-hosting our episodes of our audio programming. We really want to make an information sharing platform that works for our smarter smart city. Being able to discover people who are creating interesting content such as this, yes, it's interesting, I promise, uh, is important. And so that will be a no small part of it. And on that note, I will uh, wish you the best. Do check in after October 8th, unless you're participating in the hackathon, then before. Don't forget spacehavechallenge.org slash 2023 slash locations slash loss.vegas-nb. Tell you what, if you go to innovateforvegas.org, innovateforvegas.org, all spelled out, no numerals, innovateforvegas.org, right there on the homepage, sign up link if you want to join the hackathon, and if you're listening to this before October 7th. Other than that, do check in. Uh, we'll be posting more information about the Challengers portal, the My Vegas and Welcome Projects, and all that's going into those. Project Act, Hacktoberfest. Hacktoberfest goes from October 1st to the 31st. If you are yourself an open source or aspirational open source contributor, it doesn't have to be code, it could be anything. Check out hacktoberfest.com 
And hey, also innovateforvegas.org. And I'm sure we'll have something there about our participation. My voice is giving up on us. And by now, perhaps you are as well. Thank you.